Welcome to the Mother Forkin' Podcast. Mother Podcast. Where we feed you some real shit on parenting. Hi, Celeste. Hey, Megan. Do you realize that this may be our last in-person togetherness recording for uh, the Mother Forking podcast? Yes, it's true. Um, I don't know if you guys tuned in last episode, but Megan you is... You better. You better go back. Just pause right? this one right now. Go back and listen to it, please. Seriously. But if not, if you don't want to, you can totally <laughs> listen to this, so that's okay. But if you didn't miss out... Uh, Megan is moving. Super sad. We're bummed about it. We're trying not to think too much about it to, you know. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure it'll sink in pretty soon. But anyway, so she's moving to Oklahoma and we did, um, this was my last drive here. Well, we're here, I think, through the end of, through October, I believe. I almost thought I walked in the wrong house. Yeah. Yeah, I was I like, know. Megan, Yeah. Hello. This is not your decor because they, <laughs> they came in and staged the entire house and Celeste is like, damn. I was like, where's the kids shit? Yeah, no, nothing. It's like all gone. We literally are living out of our garage right now. So it's been fun. But the house was listed Monday and we got a bunch of showings right away, jam packed. We got a an offer on the house on Wednesday morning and they were super gung-ho about it. And then they decided to go with another house yesterday. And we're like, Damn. The husband wanted it, but it was the wife who was just like, man, I don't know. I'm not 100%. So, happy wife, happy, li- happy life. I know, huh? <laughs> Guy's a smart guy. I'm just right? It'll all work out. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, I, I know. I know this house is great. It's a charming little house. It's awesome. It's great location. So, oh, I yeah. know I know someone will it'll, come it'll go quick. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, let's go ahead and sit and introduce... Uh, what we're talking about today. Yeah, so today Celeste and I got a copy of this book called Dancing in the Narrows, A Mother-Daughter Odyssey Through Chronic Illness. It's written by Anna Pennenberg, and we usually record these, by the way, um, introductions after we actually have the interview with the the guest. So I just want to say ahead of time that I apologize. I think throughout the entire episode or interview I was saying Anna instead of Anna. Same. And so I apologize to you, Anna, out there, and all the Annas who spell it A-N-N-A, but do not pronounce it A-Anna. So Anna. Yes. Yeah, I apologize about, that in about advance. That. Yeah. But we did have a great episode. It was. It and was really we were cool. so excited for you guys to tune in and listen to it. Yeah. Uh, it dives into her journey with her daughter who suffered from chronic illness and their just experience on how they went from western medicine Mm -hmm. into finding healing and helping out through completely through holistic and now even it's kind of led to what or hasn't kind of it's led to what dana is now doing with her work professional work yeah which is really really interesting so i really hope that you all listening enjoy it and uh just really can cherish and appreciate i should say uh their journey especially mother and daughter And it seems like it's really brought them super close and strengthened their relationship tenfold. So, all right, guys, tune in. All right. Anna Pennenberg holds a BA in psychology and a master's in dance therapy from UCLA. How cool is that? And she has certifications in marriage and family therapy, body mind centering. Gosh, I need that. Uh, Infant developmental movement. And Kundalini yoga and meditation. Got to ask her what that's all about. She is the mother of two adult daughters and lives in Topanga, California. She's an Amazon bestseller of her newest book uh, and her first book, Dancing in the Narrows. And then she's also joined by her daughter, Dana. And Dana Pennenberg, same last name, holds a BA from Bennington College. She received her initiation as a healer, finding her way through a 12-year healing crisis by exploring the words of allopathic, homeopathic, and energetic medicines, clarifying an understanding of how healing works. Dana lives and practices in the Los Angeles area. Very cool. cool. So our first of all, welcome Dana and Anna. Very nice to have you on. We we are so excited to (laughs) listen to your story and to share it. So thank you ladies for being with us. Thank you so much for inviting us. 
So we wanted to kick it off with our first questions for our listeners who might not be familiar with your mother-daughter's multi-year journey through illness and trauma. Can you give us the backstory of how your lives drastically changed with Dana's chronic illness? Yes. Um, I, I was thinking about this this morning and thinking that parenting is one of the most creative endeavors in human relations. And as I was parenting my uh, two teenage daughters who were going to a Waldorf high school at the time, Dana was 16, she uh, came down with something, which, you know, she didn't usually get colds and things, but she was uh, not feeling well. And then it just kind of uh, blossomed into something very long and very difficult to diagnose and to figure out, uh, she just began to have more and more symptoms, painful achiness and debilitating fatigue. Um, And over the course of months where the doctors thought maybe she had uh, mono or fibromyalgia, um, ultimately deciding on something that doesn't really tell you very much, but chronic fatigue. And she missed a whole semester of school. And we ended up on this odyssey together that really developed our healing gifts. And um, I want to highlight a story for the moms out there. Uh, When my daughters were little, and this is actually the first opening of in my memoir, is this story of Buddy the butterfly, and he was, um, or she, was uh, a little caterpillar that Dana and my daughter, my other daughter Kayla, collected from our garden, and we had had this beautiful caterpillar in a little bug box, and it finally made this beautiful chrysalis, and right about that time we were supposed to go across the country and visit my in-laws and we decided that we couldn't leave this beautiful being by itself. What would happen if it, if it became a butterfly and nobody was home? So we took this bug box with us on the airplane. And the story is uh, quite a lovely moment in our lives and in the lives of uh, my daughters and I, um, because we woke up one morning at my mother-in-law's and the butterfly had come out of the chrysalis and we took the top off. And because Buddy had a folded wing, he never could fly. And we spent a lot of time learning about nature from very close up and how did this butterfly uh, eat and walk and what flowers did it nourish himself with and and so we had this beautiful butterfly with us on our vacation and um, that was the beginning sort of metaphor for what happens when things in your life change in a way that draw attention to something you now need to learn how to do and um, and that is the beginning of our story. I love that. I think that's awesome. And I love that you can find you, you related that metaphor to what was happening in your life and and, your experience. Yeah. And I think that as parents, we can learn a lot from just kind of going backwards, if you will, like seeing things through your child's eye. And, uh, you know, you mentioned nature and everything like that. I mean, I've been finding much peace, especially in these days with just having my kids, you know, go outside and explore nature and things like that. So I'm excited to hear some, you know, you guys' experiences with just healing, period. So, um, oh, go ahead. Um, No, we're ready. Oh, yeah, I was going to actually say through Dana's uh, illness, we were astonished with so many different methods of like treatment that that Dana and essentially you too, uh, Anna, had to endure and test out from even purchasing like some really expensive equipment um, in your memoir to, you know, helping with her pain and swelling. Could you tell us a little bit about the toll that that took um, and just so many uncertainty, 
uncertainties on you as a mom? Like, how did you stay positive and keep faith through that experience? Yes, um, that's a really good question. Um, in my book, I quote Joseph Campbell, and I think this is also a nice lens. We must let go of the life we have planned so as to accept the one that is waiting for us. And that's Joseph Campbell, uh, author of The Hero's Journey. And in some way, mothering is very much a hero's journey. For us, when we started dealing with this um, illness that we didn't really know what it was or what was going to um, really help Dana to heal, um, we, you know, we started going outside of Western medicine because we weren't finding that antibiotics were being of, of real help. And so with this in mind and the fact that I believe firmly that the body has its own intelligence and we should really listen closely, we tried various um, alternative treatments that energetically treat all tissues of the body, bone and um, muscle and organs. And, and so that we could actually uh, try to resolve the imbalances that were happening. And we, we did feel that Dana had had something going on in her system for a lot longer than when she had a, the, this flu-like thing at 16. So her body needed, you know, some deep listening. And that was kind of the route we went. We, we tried uh, magnets. We have a very high powered magnet that Dana uh, would lay on and she would uh, feel better temporarily. It would take down some swelling and that's how she managed to go to school when she returned to school. She would get up very early in the morning and lay on the magnet. We tried acupuncture and sonic treatments and... Well, if I could speak a little bit from my perspective, uh, this is Dana talking. Um, what's interesting to me is that I was born into this family where my mom is very holistic minded. My father is an orthopedic surgeon at one of the best hospitals in the country. Um, and in my early childhood, I was brought up on herbs and homeopathics whenever I'd have a sniffle or something, uh, but I never really got sick. And, and we grew up like with time outside and organic food and everything you'd imagine that would make a person healthy and <laughs> set up a person right. And uh, somehow I still got sick at 16. I was taken as completely taken out of my life and for months at a time out of high school. And uh, I, because my father works at the one of the best hospitals in the country, I was sent to some of the best specialists. And but yeah, as my mom said, they would just kind of give us a name for the group of symptoms that I had give me some medication options for for pain or sleep or even antidepressants. And it just felt like they wanted to put Band-Aids on, on a really big problem. And <laughs> so we were determined to get to the source of the issue. And we uh, departed from Western medicine intentionally because we weren't we weren't getting to the source of the issue. And uh, yeah, let us on a deep exploration. I think my mom and I do have a deep appreciation for healing and a high vision of what healing is. And it kind of called us into that purpose together. And I guess I would just add to the, the question that you really asked, which was how did I stay positive and deal with the uncertainties? I realized in looking back that I held this intention from the beginning and I never ever let it go. And that is that my intention was for her to be perfectly well and mm -hmm. to live a full life. And so I, I really didn't uh, listen when the doctors 
would tell me, you know, well, th this will be something she'll have to deal with the rest of her life. And she'll probably have to stay on this and that. And I and during, during, sorry to interrupt you, but during that time, they didn't know exactly what it was at this point, right? Yeah, it was about a year and a half of misdiagnoses until my mom oh my did her own research and ordered. So I tested negative twice on the standard Lyme test from the rheumatologist. And then uh, my mom ordered the the Igenics lab, which has more bands of the infection and uh, asked a doctor to run the test on me and then it did come back positive for multiple infections for Lyme, for Lyme and then the some co-infections okay. and you know and when so we arrived at the Lyme doctor's office he said that based on my symptom history I'd had it in my system for like seven years or so already mm -hmm. Jeez. And you were what, 16 at that point? Or that I was, was about just like 17 then. 17. Yeah. Okay. Jeez, I'm crow. And then, so, I mean, from your point of view, Dana, how did you feel? Like, first of all, constant, just different measures testing. of, yeah, testing, all this stuff throughout the years and then you're not feeling well you're not feeling like yourself like how are you feeling yeah like, what was your perspective I, throughout this were you scared yeah because I was very active and pretty like I did well in school and suddenly like I couldn't think clearly that was really frightening I thought I was becoming stupid and oh. um and I was a dancer I would dance like 20 hours a week and suddenly I couldn't get out of bed it was devastating like I didn't know who I was anymore almost <laughs> uh, I, I just had like debilitating pain and fatigue and I couldn't think clearly everything was kind of a blur and I, I felt like kind of trapped I also couldn't everything was kind of irritating my nervous system was really sensitive so sounds and um Light. smells and light Ugh. and and I did I wasn't sleeping well um, pretty much everything a, a person takes for granted <laughs> yeah like all symptoms of, all systems of my body were kind of yeah. breaking down and so during that time it just felt like a blur like my mom was driving me around to doctors and doctors and um I like I didn't know when a day began and ended. it's sort of like lockdown <laughs> <laughs> but um, and, and, uh, uh, from the morning pajamas to the evening pajamas um and uh, well I remember feeling crazy I just felt crazy because every time I would go to the doctor and say I feel this I feel this it's uncomfortable in this way I feel swollen over here and they would examine me and tell me to my face that I wasn't feeling what I was feeling <laughs> and it was How frustrating it was terrifying because these are people that we we are taught to trust yeah. and i just felt like i was helpless like there was something so wrong with me that only i could feel and nobody else could see and and on top of that you had people telling you that you were depressed yeah. i mean that's got invalidating it yeah. yeah and and so it is what people talk about as an invisible disease like um, from the outside, I looked pretty normal. So it was just like a, a personal hell that I was like walking with that nobody could see. So that was, it's scary and lonely in that way. I mean, from reading the book, I, I felt like horrible for you. Like, uh, I just felt, you know, I felt the sadness and the pain that you guys had to endure. But I will say that it was a beautiful journey of you guys bonding as well. So I, I love that. Yes, yeah. definitely. And there is a, a big pivotal moment in the book where I, this is just when one of our beloved doctors that we had known for a while, you know, suggested that Dana go on antidepressants. And I was basically saying, well, what about all this other symptoms? How is that going to treat what she really has? And I make this bold decision to leave Western medicine. And we walk out of this big, tall building and just, I can, I can still remember leaving 
those doors and holding Dana's hand and feeling like, holy, sh <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? Well, it was interesting, too, because that doctor was somewhat holistic. Yeah, he, he was, was a holistic a, Western he, he doctor. Was, he was and an integrative medicine physician. He had acupuncturists in the office, but then still, you know, the final thing that he had to offer me was antidepressants. That was the wow. best he could do. Wow. wow. That's, oh, man, that's so frustrating. So, okay, talking kind of in the same vein as the uh, holistic approach. So we, we want to know more about the therapeutic okay. methods and the spiritual healing approach. So you mentioned healing past trauma in your book, but can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, and then for someone interested in starting their own journey, what would you recommend them to do so they can kind of, you know, learn from what you've been through? And that's a question for the both of you. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're really excited to talk about this. We, we sometimes share work and we'll talk about that too. But um, I think for especially an illness like this, uh, Lyme disease is actually an emotional and spiritual recovery as well. Um, the various um, wounds of one's childhood are usually found underneath uh, these kinds of things that, that uh, really deplete the immune system. And um, so it's really good to be unwinding the beliefs of your childhood that got stuck uh, uh, from old hurts or survival mechanisms and um, find that true ability to feel comfort uh, and comfort emotionally in oneself. And so there's a, there's a variety of methods that, um, that I use and that Dana uses towards this end. Um, I have a strong practice in Kundalini yoga and meditation. And uh, actually at one point during Dana's uh, the thick of it, she decided to do bound lotus, which is a posture that if you do this every day, it will basically work on every system in your body. It's, it's... the ultimate pretzel position. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like I need that. <laughs> yeah. It's like your hands have to go behind your back and cross and then come back around and hold your toe. What? In your... what and then yeah. your forehead is on the ground. And your legs oh are crossed. So anyway, she was, she was determined to heal herself with this. And it was not a bad idea. But, um, but at the time, Dana was doing, uh, we came back around to uh, kind of midway through this whole odyssey, doing the strongest treatment that we hadn't done, thinking maybe this is now what we should do. And so that was an IV antibiotic uh, high dose treatment. And so Dana had a port in her arm and she was bound lotusing every morning for what? Half hour or something? Yeah. Wow. 20 like minutes. And, uh, and somehow it may have dislodged the, uh, the port. Hole. The port in my inner arm. <laughs> and so, and I'm the one who was administering that and I couldn't get the, get it hooked up one day and get her needle in and so we we uh ultimately she's had to stop doing download yeah and then i had to stop doing those damn ivs sorry um <laughs> we definitely curse here yeah that turned out to be um i i would caution people if this was an interesting thing we found out was that later on following that last uh, effort of, of pharmaceuticals and, and then leaving that leaving pharmaceuticals for good after that, we discovered that you can get a genetic test, which happened at a clinic uh, following, you know, Dana's experience of getting almost sicker and sicker and very inflamed from all the uh, IVs. And you can get a genetic test and it hers revealed that she was actually kind of allergic or genetically predisposed to uh, not tolerate sulfur drugs and a variety of other things that she had actually been taking. 
Yeah. So, so as I was on that protocol, I became the sickest that I ever was. And I had symptoms that I never had before. And I got even more swollen and I basically had to stay in the, oh, I was on uh, oxygen. I had trouble breathing. And if I would step outside of the door, I would feel like I was going to pass out from the smell of car exhaust, even though we lived in the forest of Topanga. Um, it was very all all while thinking that it was helping you right yeah and that's the confusing thing is it's called a Herxheimer reaction when you are killing the infections and then they emit neurotoxins on their way out so it's called a Herxheimer reaction and and they tell you that it's good if you feel worse because that means the infections are dying and you should be feeling better pretty soon but I never they kept talking about this corner. She's going to turn the corner. <laughs> I never turned that corner. And I got so sick that that doctor was ready to send me to the emergency room. And at that point, I just was ready to get off of that stuff and yeah. see a holistic doctor again and detox. So if I could, yeah, I can also expand on on uh, my journey to more uh, more of the, the trauma healing and the emotional healing. Yeah, yeah. we'd love to hear that. And so what I, what I found interesting about Lyme disease is that it manifests differently in every person. And I think this may be controversial, but what we're seeing with COVID too is like, this is the first time that we are testing sick people and healthy people at the same time. And so we're seeing that even asymptomatic healthy people have infections and you would probably find the same thing with Lyme disease um, that a lot of people walk around with those bacteria. Uh, But for some reason, some people get very sick. And so what I, um, the way I see it is like the emotional and the, the trauma patterning is what the infection thrives on, and that's its habitat. And so based on a person's history, that's sort of what the infection or what the illness will work its way into. And uh, I, I ended up going and studying with some... Um, my craniosacral therapist. And so we went through his training to do craniosacral and that's an energetic and somatic way of healing. And uh, my mom trained me in inner child work. Then I went and studied um, pre and perinatal psychology and I do birth healing as well. I always look at how the birth happened and I, I did training in Reiki. Um, but when I ultimately had my first chronic Lyme patient on my table, mm. um, I looked at all her patterning and her history and her emotional history and all of the traumatic events chronologically alongside how the illness manifested and there's a there's definite relationship between the two. And then when I put my hands on her and we started releasing emotions and I was working at her heart and she started seeing the bacteria leave her body. And so that was like a pivotal moment for me and my understanding. So So do you do you kind of I don't know how to properly ask this but do you sort of feel sometimes like obviously you wish this never happened to you um but do you kind of are you kind of happy that maybe it did come into your life because of all this training that you've done the path that it's led you yeah I mean I think that uh, at the soul level I do think that I knew what I was coming into and like the way that I understand birth from my studies and everything, it's like completely related to who we are as a soul. And and I came to be with my mom. She was like doing kundalini yoga. There were mantras 
happening and that's what I wanted to come into <laughs> and um <laughs> Awesome. And then, yeah, we we chose each other to go on this deep dive understanding of what healing is. And yes, it was horrifying and traumatic and painful and all of that. But, you know, uh, we do our best to process the feelings and move into that place of presence and neutrality and meeting the moment as it is. And when you get out of that place of resistance, like we were totally guided and I was guided to all of my training and all of my teachers and what I needed to know through experience and teachings, mentors, and, and all of that. I was totally supported. That's amazing. It was definitely uh, meant to be yeah. so well in the most positive <laughs> yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, and now like, I mean, it's the most gratifying thing to work with clients and, and I feel like I witness miracles every day. So <laughs> it's, yeah. That's amazing. And I love that you guys are sharing this experience because it's something that I've always thought of, but it's not, I feel like you don't hear about it enough to where, because um, we, we both have young kids and I have a 10 month old. So it's just crazy to think about like life happening in the womb. So I can only imagine like the stuff and the journey that they go through through that process that, you know, like you said, that's who you are almost in a way meant to be or like the experience that you go through. So I think that's a very interesting and beautiful, um, yeah. you know, method of healing and just and, and, and learning that. Yeah. So um, I do want to ask for my next question is uh, one thing that you guys, well, that uh, Anna touched on several times is that um, in the book, yeah, in the book yeah. that you never wanted to lose your spirit and your identity uh, while being there for your daughter. So could you talk to us more about the importance of you giving yourself tons of grace during those difficult <laughs> years? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've actually come around to thinking that maybe it's not about losing yourself. Um, but this, this thing that happens when you're caring for a child and certainly caring for a child with a challenge, um, you do morph yourself. This is my new idea, is that I think you morph yourself. You don't leave yourself or lose it, but you are focusing your energy where it's needed. And that pretty much describes mothering. And, um, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, when, and then if you get stuck in you somehow, are inhibiting the process of separation, which is natural, then you may be a little stuck or they may be a little stuck. But basically you, you morph back into some places in yourself as your child separates because that's the natural progression of development. Um, one thing that happened for me was that Dana and I uh, started out, she was pretty angry and Nobody was on board with a long illness. We had no idea what we were going to be experiencing. And so weeks would go by and she was a pretty unhappy teenager, losing time with friends and school. And, and she started wearing black and she got interested in punk music. And uh, I didn't exactly know how to write our lives after months and months and months and then after a year and um but at one point i just finally confronted her because i realized that it's not normal she should be separating and spending time with friends and having more of her own life in some ways and and yet we were going to need to be a team and we were going to have to help each other and make decisions together. And it was, you know, related to her well-being and her body. And so we had to make that bond and that, that agreement. And so once we did that, um, we were kind of in this together. And I did feel at that time that, that it was something really big that our lives were doing and that we were to do together and that we were learning. And 
And then I, as a mom, felt very uh, protective of her natural development because nevertheless, uh, our social lives and her education and everything was very different than we thought it was gonna be. And, and yet she was becoming 18 and 19 and 20 and developing into a young adult. And that I felt like I had to invent and create new venues for that to happen, even though her life and my life was fairly compromised. Yeah, that's, I can't imagine. I mean, mothering just without having to worry about a disease, especially one that's you for years went on not knowing what it was and then having to go through these great measures. And then even still, just once you did find out what it was dealing with all the complications that came with it. Uh, I, I mean, like I said, mothering alone is just tough. So having that on top of it is just, I can't imagine. Uh, but there's something you did mention earlier. Uh, and I'm, I apologize. I don't know if I can't remember. I think it was both of you who chimed in about this, but going from Western medicine to the more holistic approach. So I kind of want to talk about boundaries here. Was that hard for you to do to kind of cut those doctors out? I mean, they worked with your husband or in your case, Dana, your father. Um, So was there any sort of bad blood there or how did you just set those boundaries and say, Hey, look, Hi, we're going to go do something different. And the opinion of others. Yeah, that too. Family. Well, friends. actually, by the time we were into deep into figuring things out, there's a variety of physicians and some just really don't don't deal with this. You know, the infectious disease doctors really don't treat Lyme. They will give you a round of antibiotics, but then they'll also give you painkillers and carry on your life. Yeah. So we didn't have a conflict necessarily that way. I think just in general, nobody really understood how serious the illness was and what Dana couldn't couldn't do because she didn't look sick and they expected more. And uh, so it was, it was very hard to have people understand what we were really dealing with. And I was kind of used to that. So if I didn't if I didn't feel like the doctor could lend some understanding to the core of this, of this uh, thing we were dealing with, I, we just moved on. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. I mean, that's all you really can do at that point. Mm -hmm. Right. So in the same vein, uh, talking about relationships, you have another daughter, which you mentioned in the beginning, and her name is Kayla. I hope yeah. I'm pronouncing that correctly. Okay. Uh, so Celeste and I are curious to know how the illness and the trauma with Dana affected Kayla. Was it hard on her because there was just so much time and focus and attention on Dana and her illness? So, you know, if you have two kids, you know that they're they're doing a lot of things together and then they're also in different places in development in some ways. And my kids were two years apart and they were used to, you know, being together in the family and doing things and uh, having a relationship with each other. When Dana got sick, Kayla was a senior in high school and she was kind of at that peak of, you know, doing senior things in prom and uh, she wrote a one act play for the end of the year senior performance and included her whole class in singing African songs. And it was quite a big thing she had done. And, um, And so I think for her, it was really sad because Dana had been sick for that whole term and we didn't really understand what was going on, but she didn't have her sister at graduation. Dana came, but then she just couldn't stay because she didn't feel well and she had to go home. Um, and then Kayla went off to college. And when she would come home on the weekends, uh, life was very different at our house. It was more like a treatment center. And um, I think that it, it really took a toll. She had definitely, uh, some trauma from that. Um, 
she probably assumed that she would have her sister as a as a good friend when she went off to college and her sister could come and see her new life and that never happened and so um you know she, there was this moment when kayla came back from a semester abroad and she had this rash all over her body and ended up in the hospital and turns out she was um she was bit by a tick and got rickettsia, which was Mediterranean spotted fever. And luckily she made it all the way back from Africa uh, and landed in LA. So she was here at the hospital with a tick-borne illness. And it, it um, in some strange universal way, it leveled the playing field because she was actually on the same antibiotic at the time that Dana was on. <laughs> and, um, wow. hers, hers was not a chronic you know, condition, so she made her way through. But the, when she came home, she was in pajamas just like Dana and she couldn't tolerate light just like Dana. <laughs> and so when she started- Not again. Yeah, so in some ways it actually uh, helped her to understand what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to ask uh, Dana. Um, so, how is li- living with Lyme as an adult for you right now? Like, what what's you know what's next for you in your healing yeah. process and your journey, and even even with you, Anna, as as the mother. So, yes. um, let's see. I got through college on a holistic protocol and. It was uh, similar to what Klinghart prescribed, Dr. Klinghart prescribes, he's pretty well known. Um, And then when I finished school, you know, a few years ago, I came back home and because I had a little window of time, um, you know, that that treatment, it, it didn't really get me to feeling better and it was expensive and, uh, even though it was natural, um, it ended up being a burden on my body as well. And and so we found a wonderful constitutional homeopath, and she was able to get me off of a lot of those medicines, even the natural ones. And in that time, I've been detoxing from all those medicines and treating energetically with the constitutional homeopathy and doing more of the trauma work and the body work. Um, And, you know, I, I eat all organic. I live very mindfully and consciously and I take extra good care of myself so that I can sustain myself and all my clients. Um, So maybe there's more mindfulness, more self-care involved, but I think most people in the wellness field live a similar lifestyle anyway. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I mean, we love mindfulness. We definitely need to improve on that, uh, especially being mom of two small boys each, but uh, I, I, I feel that I really do. But for context, I'm curious, how old are you? I'm 29 now. And um, wow, so you're still facing complications to this day. No, actually, um, since you were 16, I would like to add that uh, we don't think of her as having Lyme anymore. And um, somehow, when we when we uh, stopped all of the holistic things we were doing that were still treating various, uh, you know, infections or bugs or, um, also... yeah, I'm not, I'm not really in the place of needing to treat the infections anymore. So I'm kind of past that awesome. and, okay. um, just great. kind of getting my strength back, getting my system online on its own and detoxing from the medicines really. Yeah, and oh, I, okay. I'm got active, it, I'm well, I do a lot of hiking and biking okay. and yoga, yeah. Awesome. What a journey for both of you, not not just 
Dana, but it, for both of you and even, you know, everything that your family has gone through and, but thank, thankfully you both have the resources uh, then and you have them now, yeah. you know, and then, and then now you're using your, what you're doing for your work to help heal your your patients so that's yeah. really awesome thank it's you a beautiful story guys yeah. so. um and i was gonna say um real quick to kind of wrap up you know the interview with you guys is how would you say that this journey um has changed y'all's mother and daughter relationship um and what did you discover about some strengths that you guys may have never known that you had i for me i think as uh as adults um, we have a really close relationship because of the bonding we did in this odyssey we were together in, and that we have a very high regard for each other's healing work. And we also uh, are exploring that dynamic of doing healing work, uh, mother and daughter on each other and with families. And um, so it's just really exciting. I think that it's definitely increased my capacity to be with emotion as raw as it can be and to hold that space for other people and um, to hold them in that until they find resolution and wellness. And I think, yeah, in terms of with my mom, we have a very deep relationship and we we go there together in the healing space and hold space for each other and heal together and sometimes i work on her and she's like crying and i'm crying on top of her but there's like there are threads that <laughs> weave between both of us that we get to unravel together and yeah it's really like a beautiful thing to get to share that with her that's awesome. Is I'm curious, is Kayla also in the holistic? She uh, has a really intelligent understanding of it all. And she does Kundalini yoga and she does the session work with us and she does energy healing How cool. sessions and as well. She's a, becoming a graphic designer and she did a lot of the graphic design work for my book. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. I love it. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, I'm sure you guys are, or ladies, are both very proud of one another, especially through this crazy journey. Um, and we would like to wrap it up with a few fun questions. And if this is totally like off the cuff, if you don't, if nothing comes to mind, <laughs> that's okay. You can say pass. Or Dana can answer. Or Dana can answer. Yeah. Uh, so Anna, what was one of your biggest mom fails? Yes. Well, we the there time. was this yes. time when Dana was in preschool. <laughs> she went to this little, um, uh, little preschool and run by a woman who had an Indian woman making little chapatis for lunch for the kids. It was kind of Montessori based. Uh -huh. And so they would take their shoes uh -huh. off and run around and there would be indoor and outdoor activities. And um, so I picked her up from school as usual. And um, I usually took my kids, I would get them slightly bigger shoes so they could wear them longer. And then uh, eventually they would just get too tight and I'd take them both in. So there was one of these times where I took Kayla and Dana and uh, Kayla could not fit in her shoes anymore. Dana, however, seemed to be doing just fine. So I didn't get her, I didn't get her new shoes. So we, we, uh, that same thing happened. Kayla's feet got too big for her shoes. I went in again and the, they measured Dana's feet and it's like her shoes were still working. And I said, how is that possible? And he looked, he looked at the records and I had bought a particular size like four months earlier. And the shoes that she had were not those shoes. So she had swapped shoes with some kid and was was flopping around in these shoes oh. for months. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I wouldn't know. They if were those the same as in their shoe, but yeah. way bigger. <laughs> that's oh. awesome. That's awesome. Um, next question: What What's one of the funniest things either or, or one of your daughters or both have done? And how old were they? Yeah, that's Kayla one of was maybe. Yeah. 
four, I think, and she had started using, you know, the little round children's scissors. And she called, she called it scissoring. Oh, no. And she loved scissoring. And so I guess when I was maybe downstairs for a few minutes, she asked Dana if it would be okay to cut her hair. And Dana said, sure. So oh, no. she apparently scissored no. some of Dana's hair. So Dana walks by me. And and she looks fine, but oh, then no. as I turn around and see the back of her hair, it's gone. <laughs> Did she give you a chili bowl? Oh man. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh wow. All right. So are there any plans for any future books? Or yes, bo- or I'm in book? process with a, a couple of ideas and one that I am working on that I think is quite fascinating is I call it birthing adult daughters. That's awesome. I like it. Me too. I need to, uh, we probably need to supplement that with birthing adult, adult sons <laughs> yeah. down the road. Yeah. Yeah. She's got to find your mom. We can co-author that book. <laughs> there, there you go. go. Well, thank you ladies yeah. so much. We've enjoyed having you on uh, today's episode with your beautiful journey and the story uh, through illness and trauma. Before we go, we would love to tell our listeners how to engage with the both of you. So where can they find So you my book, book is on Amazon, Dancing in the Narrows. And you can engage with me at Anna Pennenberg, author. That's A-N-N-A-P-E-N-E-N-B-E-R-G, author, on Instagram and Facebook. And my website, AnnaPennenberg.com. And uh, awesome. I have a website. I have a website as well. Um, also, want to thank you so much for having us on. We had we had lots of fun talking to you. Um, my website is danapennenberg.com, and uh, my email address is hello at danapennenberg.com. And uh, so I offer phone or Zoom sessions now, and. Uh, yeah that's awesome thank you for sharing that with us we really appreciate it and thank you thank you so much thank you ladies